This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. I hope you've been enjoying the performance of Jimmy Stewart in the role of Britt Ponsett, a drifting cowboy in the final years of the Wild West. It was created by Frank Burt, who also wrote many of the episodes. After hearing a few of my intros to the show, you already know of my admiration for Jimmy Stewart's acting abilities. Episodes range from straight Western drama to whimsical comedy. A trademark of the show was Stewart's use of whispered narration during tense scenes that created a heightened sense of drama and relief when the situation was resolved. Some of the more prominent actors to perform on the program include Harry Bartell, Dana Hurley, and William Conrad, who was also the star of CBS's Gunsmoke at the time. Now, the year this episode was aired is 1954, the same year, the movie The Glenn Miller Story, starring Stewart as Glenn Miller. Another film released that year, Rear Window. Now, I remember vividly, at age about 12, walking with a bunch of kids from our cottage on Lake Huron to the town of Forest, about four miles away, to sit in the seats of the Caneto Theater to watch that show and be scared out of our wits. That walk home later in the evening was one of the most memorable walks I've ever experienced. And I think I speak for the four or five other kids who were in that group. James Stewart was one of the most popular film stars, with most of his films becoming box office successes. His later westerns include The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance in 1962 and Cheyenne Autumn, 1964, both directed by John Ford. Stewart remained unmarried until his 40s and was dubbed the Great American Bachelor. In 1949, he married former model Gloria McLean. They had twin daughters, and he adopted her two sons from her previous marriage. The marriage lasted until McLean's death in 1994. So, let's hear the episode of The Six Shooter, entitled A Friend in Need. moment you'll hear James Stewart as the six shooter just one of the many fine programs brought to you Sundays on NBC later this evening listen to the NBC star playhouse with one of your favorite stars hear stroke of fate and the story of what might have happened if fate had reversed historical facts and be sure to keep tuned for the dramatic story of last man out it's a wonderful lineup of great programs all of them heard only on NBC James Stewart as the six-shooter. The man in the saddle is angular and long-legged. 
His skin is sun-dyed brown. The gun in his holster is gray steel and rainbow mother of pearl. Its handle unmarked. People call them both the six-shooter. The NBC Radio Network presents James Stewart as The Six-Shooter, a transcribed series of radio dramas based on the life of Britt Ponsett, the Texas plainsman who wandered through the Western territories, leaving behind a trail of still-remembered legends. Canyon, that's what folks called it. Probably there was another name more official written down on a map in the territorial capital, but the people around Smoke Falls, they just called it 50 Yard Canyon. You see, it, it was only 50 yards wide, someplace even narrower, but it was close to 35 miles long, and riding through it was sort of like riding between two giant slabs of granite, all polished and smooth the way a gravestone fixed up. Except that these slabs were close to half a mile high. Well, anyway, that's what we were coming into, Scar and me, following the trail east to Smoke Falls. We were just getting on toward daybreak, and the sky was kind of an oatmeal gray, heavy, wet, waiting for the sun to come up to stir some light into it. We rounded a sharp bend, Scar flared his nostrils and slowed down to a walk. What's the matter, boy? Come on. Come on, come on, come on. Canyon got a little wider up ahead, and the sides angled up somewhat gentler than usual. I saw some clumps of trees and some mesquite, but it was still too dark to see anything real plain. I got off scars fast as I could dive out of the saddle. Now, what the Sam Hill is... Now, who in the thunder are you shooting at? I ain't particular, mister. Well, I am. I couldn't make him out. He was just a shadow part way up the canyon wall, maybe 30, 40 feet. His gunfire gave me a pretty good notion of where to aim. <laughs> For a couple of minutes, everything was real quiet. Oh, I didn't stand to reason that I'd hit him with that shot. I hadn't. I inched my way across the floor of the canyon. I started up the side. <laughs> bullet nicked a rock right about a foot left of my face. I, uh, he knew where I was, all right. But then I had a pretty good notion of his whereabouts, too. Uh, well, a man's entitled to a lucky hit every once in a while, if he wasn't faking that yell. It seemed like there was only one way to find out. All right. All right, drop it. Come on, drop it. Okay. The okay. pistol slid out of his hand. His shirt sleeve was stained pink at the elbow. Twisted around, gave me a squint. Just then the sun swung up over the top of the canyon, spilled over the sides. I... Why... Art! Hey! Art Hamper! Who'd you think you were? Holy mackerel, Brit! Well, I'll be doggone... You're just about the last person in the world I ever expect to bump into out here. Yeah, well, you sure were expecting to bump into something. Yeah. What's the trouble, Art? Who are you gunning for? Somebody's gunning for me. Huh? Clyde's dead, Britt. Clyde? What? 
He was shot yesterday morning. Shot in the back. Well, I... Well, you, you know who did it? I know who the sheriff says did it. Me. What, he, he thinks you killed your own brother? Stepbrother. Clyde and me weren't real kin. But we was as close as if we did have the same blood. Yeah, yeah. Well, speaking of blood, Art, that elbow of yours... Oh, your... bullet only grazed me. I'll, I'll tie my bandana around it. No, you better let me give you a hand. Here, I'll... I'll Where'd the sheriff get the idea you had something to do with Clyde being shot? Well, it's kind of a roundabout story. You see, Pa died a couple of months ago. Oh. Oh, I didn't know that. I'm sorry to hear that. I sure you. Yeah, well, that ought to take care of your arm for the time being. Thanks. Well, in his will, Pa left things equal, half to me and half to Clyde. Uh-huh. Folks got the idea that him being my father and not Clyde's, well, they thought I was kind of put out by Clyde's getting the same as me. But you weren't. Oh, of course not, Britt. I didn't have no complaint. Clyde was as close to Pa as I ever was. He was entitled just as much. Uh-huh. Well, how did Clyde happen to get shot, Art? That's what I don't know. I just don't. I'd give anything in the world if I did. Well, you you said yesterday... That... Well, in the morning, about 7 o'clock, I was in the barn hitching up the buckboard. I heard somebody at the pump outside. I figured it was Clyde drawing a bucket of water. and Then I heard the gun go off. I started for the door, but before I could get there, Clyde stumbled into the barn. He was holding on to his belly, and he fell forward into my arms. That's where he died, Brid. In my arms. He didn't say anything? Oh, he tried to talk, but the words just wouldn't come out. He tried to tell me who shot him, but... Just couldn't. I'll find out, though, Brid. Someday I'll find out and I'll get even. I'll, I'll take it easy, Art. Right. Instead of blaming me, why ain't Sheriff Bale looking for the guilty man? Why ain't he going after the real killer? Well, you're sure the sheriff does blame you? Well, he arrested me yesterday afternoon. Oh, I see. Had to take me into town, but I gave him the slip. Throwed up into the canyon here. Oh, well, now, you shouldn't have done that, Art. If you're innocent, you'll get a chance to prove it. Run away, that just makes you look guilty. I gotta prove anything dangling from the branch of a tree. What, what are you talking about? I was gonna lynch me. George Crump and Sam Bitley and the other fellas were the sheriff, and he wasn't gonna do nothing to stop him. He said hanging was better than I deserved. You don't know Sheriff Elbridge. No, no, you must be new to smoke for. Well, you don't believe in wasting time with trials and juries. I wouldn't be the first man Bales let the boys take care of. I see. That's why I had to get away. Oh, I knew I couldn't run too far before they'd catch up with me out here in this canyon. Well, you are kind of boxed in. Yeah, but I figured a day or so and the fellas had cooled down, listen to reason. Maybe they'd even pick up the real killer's trail by then. Uh-huh. I thought you was one of Bales' posse when I heard your horse. That's the reason I fired. I wasn't aiming to kill anybody, understand, Britt? Just, well, I was just hoping to scare you off. Uh-huh. Well, even so, it sort of seems like to me you stand a good chance of making things worse for yourself the way you've been acting. You, oh, I'm not saying that a man has to sit tight and let himself get lynched, but uh, it just, well, well, I... well, well, what do you think I ought to do, Britt? Well, I'm, I don't know, I... Well, I'm, I'm riding into Smoke Falls. Uh, we could ride along together. If you give yourself up, that ought to be something in your favor. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I guess you're right. My horse is starting to go lame. I, I couldn't go much further anyhow, but uh, tell you the truth, Britt, I'm, I'm scared. You're scared? Well, they had a rope. George Crump was carrying it with the sheriff arrested me. 
And the way the fellas look, their eyes half closed and their faces red, sort of like they had a fever. I ain't never been a coward, Britt, but I was scared. Well, like you said, they'd probably cool off by now. Well, if there was some way I could just be sure. Britt, maybe if you was to talk to him first. Talk to him? Well, maybe. before I give myself up, they must be following me. You're bound to run into them on your way into town. Well, I suppose so. Oh, well, they, I... they'd listen to you. They respect you, and they'd have to listen. Even Sheriff Bale must have heard about the six-shooter. You could tell him that I never had nothing against Clyde. You, you knew he was always friendly, even when we was kids. Sure, sure. I well, if, if you'd make the sheriff understand and the boys with him, well, then I'd feel better about going back into town. Britt, you ride on ahead. They can't be more than, than an hour or so away. Tell them, tell them I'll give myself up. Tell them to wait for me at, at Squirrel Rock. You know where that is, don't you? Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Well, uh, tell, tell them... Uh, I'll meet him there at noon. I, I, I don't know, Art. This, you don't think I'd run out on you, Britt? You don't think I'd do a thing like that? No, 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 but I... Well, I... all right, then. Squirrel Rock at noon. That'll give my pony time to rest up. Uh -huh. Well, I... Afterwards, I'll... Uh, well, after I'm all straightened out with the sheriff, we'll... Well, we'll find out who killed Clyde. You'll help me find out, won't you? I'll help if I can, Art. Thanks, Britt. Oh, uh, there's, uh... Just one thing, though. Yeah. Now, suppose I don't meet up with the posse. Well, you couldn't very well miss them here in the canyon. No, maybe they've turned around. Maybe they've gone back. Well, in any case, I'll be at Squirrel Rock at noon. If the posse ain't there, you wait for me just the same. I'll go into Smoke Falls with you. All right, all right. All right. I guess you know what you're doing. All right. I'll be seeing you. It was about 10 o'clock in the morning when I passed Squirrel Rock. Not much later when I met up with the posse. Wasn't much of a posse, though. Just three men. Well, on the lead, gave his pin to the spur and trot up ahead of the other two. He's a good-sized man, big bone, solid, with a tangle of red hair and swatches of freckles across his face. And the way he wore his revolvers and rested his hand against the butt of one of them, well, you could tell who he was, too even if you didn't happen to notice the star on his breast. Howdy. Morning. I'm Sheriff Bale from Smoke Falls. Yeah, I've been expecting to run into you, Sheriff. Oh? My name's Ponsett. Britt Ponsett? <laughs> it sure is. Well, how are you, Britt? What are you doing around here? Oh, I'm just passing through, George. Hey, Sheriff, ain't you never met up with the six-shooter? No, can't say as I have. Heard about him, though. And uh, this here is uh, Sam Bitley, Britt. Oh, yeah. Howdy. Uh, you said something about expecting a sponsor. Yeah. Uh, Art Hamper thought you'd be heading up this canyon. Hamper? What were you? You mean you ran into Art, Britt? Early this morning. Oh, doggone it. That's who we're looking for. Yeah, he told me. Well, did he tell you why? Sure. Yeah, his brother was killed yesterday. You wanted for murder. And you knew all that? You just let him go scot-free? Oh, what'd you expect me to do? You could have brought him in, saved us the trouble. Yeah. Oh, I'm not a part of your posse, Sheriff. I'm besides, Art willing to give himself up. Give himself what? up? Uh, he says he didn't have anything to do with Clyde's death. The only reason he ran off is because you were talking about lynching him. But, say, Britt, how you gone loco? You didn't actually believe him, Ponson. Well, I... 
I've known Art for a good many years, Sheriff. Well, looks like we know him a little better than you do. Yeah, I saw it, Britt. The whole thing with my own eyes. I saw the murder. Now, now, hold on, George. Now, you didn't see it. I tell you, I saw it. I was riding past the Hemper Ranch, and Clyde and Art were out behind the barn. They didn't notice me. They were too busy arguing and shouting. Then Clyde turned and started to walk towards the house. Well, Art pulled out his gun and shot him in the back. Clyde didn't even have a chance to draw. Well, what is that the truth, George? As true as anything in this world. Well, I swung around, and I headed into town to get the sheriff. And that's when Art spotted me. He got off a couple of shots, but I was out of range. Well, the story he told me is entirely different. Well, that shouldn't surprise you too much, Ponce. No. no. No, I guess not. What happened when you arrested him, Sheriff? No, well, we didn't arrest him. No, we didn't. Why do you think we're out here looking for him? I see. But he took off before I could bring the sheriff back. We picked up his trail and followed it into the canyon here. And as for anybody trying to lynch him, well, there'll be no lynch law in Smoke Falls while I'm sheriff. Well, that's good, Sheriff. Yes, sir. And besides, ain't no need in his case. Any jury in the territory will convict him on the evidence. Why, of course. Yeah. Yeah, well, it sure sounds that way, doesn't it? Well, I... Doggone, I I just don't know what to say, Sheriff. Well, you want to blame for believing Art. You were a friend of his. (laughs) Before he changed... You went around to see how mean he's got the last few months. Always picking on Clyde and making life miserable for him. As if it was Clyde's fault the old man left him everything. Everything? Well, sure. Ranch, cattle, the whole shebang. The whole shebang. Yes, sir. I guess Jake Hemper knew Art wasn't any good underneath. Guess that's why he picked Clyde to inherit, even though he wasn't a blood relative. Well, you've got to admit, there's one thing Art's good at. Huh? Uh, Lying. The way he fooled Britt Ponce that he must be a pretty convincing liar. <laughs> well, you'll have to give him that much. Uh, huh. Won't you, Britt? Yeah. Yeah, I'll give him that much. We'll continue with James Stewart as the six-shooter in a moment, because I'd like to answer a question that so many of you have written in to ask. It's about our theme music on the show, and believe me, we like it too. It's called Highland Lament, but I'm sorry to say there's no way for you to obtain it to play in your own home. You see, all of our music has been recorded for broadcast only, and it simply isn't available in any form at your music store. But thanks for writing anyway. Your good letters are tremendously appreciated by all of us. Incidentally, while Jimmy Stewart is kept pretty busy with the six-shooter and his motion picture work, One of his happiest activities is keeping up with his twin daughters, Judy and Kelly, at home. There's a nice picture story of the Stewarts and their twins in the current issue of McCall's Magazine. Now, Act Two of The Six Shooter, starring James Stewart as Britt Ponsett. Well, there wasn't anything else I could do but just tell Sheriff Vale the whole cock and bull story just the way Art had given it to me. I felt like crawling in a prairie dog hole. Oh, not just because Art had made a fool of me. It's more than that. We'd been pretty good friends once, all three of us. Art, Clyde, and me. Now Clyde was dead, and sooner or later Art would be brought in for killing him. If I wasn't so doggone gullible, it might have been... A lot sooner. Well, Rocky, 
It's only three, four miles. You must come by it. Yeah. That's where he said he'd give himself up. Oh, is that so? Well, if he told you to wait for him there, you can be darn sure it's the last place he'll be. He's probably still up at the end of the canyon trying to find the pass you come through. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, sure. Well, we better ride on ahead. You want to come with us, Ponsett? No. No, I think I'll head back for town. Well, suit yourself. I'll have a couple of the boys along the way in case Hemper gives us a slip and starts backtracking. Uh, you might tell him to keep the eyes open that we haven't caught him yet. Yeah. All right, sir. Okay, George. Sam, come on, let's go. Come on, boy. Well, that's what I intended to do. Just head straight for Smoke Falls, but somehow I found myself turning around. I took it real easy, and then when I came to Squirrel Rock, I couldn't help pulling up. Whoa, boy. Whoa. Whoa, Scott. Whoa. But just about noon, the sun was square in the middle of the sky. There sure wasn't any sign of Art Hamper either. Not that I really thought he'd be there, not after what I'd found out from the sheriff. I... I'd never looked at that rock real close before. It was a lot bigger than most of the other boulders along the way, but as about the only difference. I couldn't figure why folks got the name. It sure didn't look much like a squirrel to me. It's big, though. Well, any doubt about that. If it had been a couple of feet wider, it had blocked the whole canyon. And I remember thinking to myself, a man could hide almost anywhere around there real easy. The only trouble was I didn't think of it soon enough. Right on time, Britt. Yeah. Yeah, so are you, Art. You don't mind getting off your horse, do you? Well, as a matter of fact, I just as soon not. Well, you better do it anyway. Keep those arms stretched way up high. Uh Uh-huh. All right. Now you can unbuckle your gun belt, but uh, use only one hand, your left one. Okay. Thanks. I guess you know I ran into Sheriff Vale. Sure. I told you you would. Him and his boys come riding through here just a few minutes ago. Didn't even stop, huh? I must have figured I was up at the end of the canyon hunting the pass you come through. Yeah. Art, uh, George Crump says he saw you shoot Clyde. Did, huh? Well, I didn't pick a very good time for it, did I? You're not going to deny it again, huh? (laughs) You wouldn't believe me if I did. I already pressed my luck with you once today, Britt. I won't try it twice. Why'd you kill him, Art? It wasn't Clyde's fault your father left him the property. The ranch wasn't the real reason. I guess folks never will believe me, but uh, that wasn't the cause. Well, what was the cause, then? I can't even put it in words. I, I reckon I hated Clyde. I reckon I always hated him, but I didn't know how much until... until they read the will, until I found out how... Pa really felt towards me. You see, I never had no mother. She died when I was born. Uh-huh. It wasn't very long after that Pa married again and I had me a ready-made family. Oh, she wasn't like one of them stepmothers you read about in stories. She always tried to be fair and honest. Maybe that was it. Maybe she tried to be too fair. Yeah, too fair? Well, whenever I did something bad, never said a word to me. She waited till Pa come home and told him about it. I was his son, she said, and she didn't have no right to punish me. It was up to Pa to take down the razor strap and give me a whaling. Not that she was easy on Clyde. She wasn't. She saw to it that he, he told the lion. 
But he belonged to her. He was her responsibility. He got plenty of weapons, too, but uh, it was her that give it to him. I guess it don't sound very sensible, Britt, but there was times when I used to wish she'd care enough about me to, well, just slap me or give my ears a good boxing. But you never did. I was Pa's son. Why, you couldn't blame Clyde for the way his mother acted toward you. Oh, I didn't blame him. I didn't blame him. Not at first. I told myself we were even Stephen. He had a ma and I had a pa. That was fair enough. And whatever happened, I was Art Hamper. Britt, he wasn't even entitled to the same name, not by any rights. Once I asked Pa about that, I asked him why Clyde was calling himself Hamper. Real good tanning. That's the answer I got. Mm-hmm. And that's the way it was. All the time I was growing up, all the time until she died. I was kind of happy when it happened. I thought maybe now it'd be me and Pa again. I thought her being out of the way would sort of push Clyde to one side. Mm-hmm. Things didn't work out like I figured. Clyde and Pa, they mourned together. They seemed to be closer than before. So I told myself all I had to do was wait. I was Pa's son. Everybody knows when a man dies, it's your son that inherits. All I had to do was to wait. And then it did die. And I found out I'd been living my whole life on lies. I'd convinced myself that when the chips were down, Clyde wouldn't matter anymore. Pa'd realize I was his son, his only son. And then the day the read his will, I knew that I hadn't had a ma and I hadn't had a pa either. Clyde had had them both all the time. So I had to kill him. Maybe if he was dead, things would be different. Art. Stay where you are, Ponce. Now listen, Art. Now listen to me. I think I understand what you're trying to tell me. Some of it, anyhow. And maybe you weren't exactly responsible for what you did to Clyde, but you've got to give yourself up. Give myself up! For the first time in my life, I've got a reason for living. There's nobody standing in my way, not anymore. There's a posse standing in your They're way. past us now. They've gone up the canyon. I can ride out the smoke falls gap without them even knowing well, it. Sheriff Vale's no fool, Art. He figured you might slip by him. That's why he left some men behind. Well, they won't stop us, Britt. Us? Sure. You're taking me in town. I'm your prisoner. Of course, this gun of yours won't be loaded, but nobody's going to know that. And nobody's going to know I'm holding my own gun just inside my shirt. That Nicky give me on the elbow, it's going to come in real handy. All right, Britt. Here's a six-shooter. Not that it'll be much use to you now. Art brought his pony up from behind the rock, and we started down the trail. In a way... I felt kind of sorry for him. But that, that didn't justify what he'd done. That didn't justify him getting loose and killing somebody else, maybe. We were getting close to the mouth of the canyon now, and the trail kind of straightened out. I figured we ought to meet up with one of the sheriff's boys somewhere along about here. Be their last chance to stop on Art before we hit the flat country. I guess Art was figuring the same thing. Hold your gun on me, Britt, like you were serious. All right, all right. Don't try anything fancy. We rode out for about five minutes more, and then I spotted him. A fellow leaning against the side of the canyon with a carbine across his arm. He must have been dozing, but when he heard us, he came awake fast, and the carbine swung around ready for business. All right, hold up there. So 
So you got him, huh? Yeah. Well, I got him. Who are you, mister? I didn't see you with the posse. My name's Ponsett, Britt Ponson. Oh, sure, sure, the six-shooter. Did give you any trouble, Mr. Ponsett? No, not so far. Well, where's the sheriff? Uh, he's back a ways. He'll be coming along. Well, maybe you ought to wait up here. We can all ride into town together. Now, the sheriff said Ponsett was to go on ahead. Oh? That's so, Mr. Ponsett? Yeah. Yeah, that's what he said. Well, I guess you can take care of him. You ain't gonna need no help. Not with that gun of yours. I hear it's about the fastest shooting six-gun ever been turned out. Yeah. Say, uh, maybe you'd like to take a look at it. Wait a minute. Here, catch. Are you crazy, Mr. Ponsett, throwing your gun around like that? Why, if I wasn't covering Art there... But you are covering him. Huh? Really, I told you. Look out, I was it. already diving for the ground. Art fired through his shirt. And the bullet slid across the back of Scar's neck. Art didn't get a second chance. The carbine slugs tore into his chest and knocked him off his horse. He just lay there. He was bleeding bad. Bridge. Yeah? There. There's something I got to tell you. All right, go ahead. Sorry I lied to you this morning. A man shouldn't lie. That's what my pa always said. Been you were my best friend. Shouldn't have lied to you especially. Well. Besides, it didn't do me no good. It just goes to show you that lying don't pay. Pa used to whip me whenever I lied. I should have known better, Brady. I... I should have known that. Well, if that don't take the cake. What? Not more than a minute ago, he tried to shoot you down. But now all he said was, he was sorry he lied to you. What happens to a man like that, Mr. Ponson? I don't know. I just don't know. The Six Shooter is a transcribed NBC Radio Network production in association with Review Productions. It is based on a character created by Frank Burt, and it's written by him. Mr. Stewart may soon be seen in the Universal International picture, The Glenn Miller Story. Others in the cast were Shepard Mencken, Bill Johnstone, Frank Gerstel, and Howard McNear. Special music for this program was by Basil Adlam, and the entire production is under the direction of Jack Johnstone. All characters and incidents were fictitious, and any resemblance to actual characters or incidents is purely coincidental. This is Hal Gibney speaking. Stay tuned for Abbott and Costello next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Bud Abbott and Lou Costello to tell us the tale of the beauty shop. The year this show was first broadcast, 1945.
The Abbott and Costello program, starring Bud Abbott and Lou Costello, brought to you by Camel, the cigarette of costlier, properly aged tobacco. The Abbott and Costello program, with the modern rhythm of Will Osborne and his orchestra, Iris Adrian, our singing star Connie Haynes, and spotlighting that chunky, chubby little cherub, who went caught throwing eggs in the electric fan because he heard his Uncle Artie Stebbins liked his eggs scrambled, calmly said... I'm a bad boy! Do you realize that I've been looking all over town for you? What are you doing in this beauty parlor? Ah, this is my beauty parlor, Abbott. What do you mean? I made up my mind that I was going to start off the new year a success. Yes. So I bought it, see? That's my name on the window. Louis A. Costello. Louis A. Costello? What Mm -hmm. does the A stand for? Ah, that stands for my middle name. Atomic Bomb. (laughs) Your middle name is Atomic Bomb? Oh, yeah. The day I was born, my father took one look at me and blew up. (laughs) Please, Costello, talk sense. How can a dummy like you run a beauty shop? Oh, I've got a lot of business with my new slogan, Abbott. See, see it there on the wall? What does it say? I'm going to read it. Louis Costello removes all wrinkles from your sister, your puppy, your mummy. I take the wrinkles out of your face and drop them down to your tummy. Oh. <laughs> I think the poem is bummy. Bummy, yes, yes. This is the silliest thing I've ever heard of. <laughs> you're, you're no beauty expert. What's the matter with you? Oh, no, I just concocted a new hair grower, Abbott. It's wonderful. Now, now, don't hand me that stuff. There's no preparation that you'll grow hair. Oh, all I know is I spilled some on my cat last night. And what happened? We got the only cat in Hollywood that looks like Jerry Colonna. Oh. <laughs> hey, yeah, but this stuff will even grow hair on a billiard ball. Does it really work? Yeah, but it sure slows up the game. <laughs> Costello, why did you open up this beauty parlor without my wife's advice? You, why did you open this up without my wife's advice? You know that my wife is an expert uh, beautician. Didn't you ever see my wife waving her hair? No, but I saw her shaking it out the window. I, uh, I'll stop that. <laughs> Never mind that. Your wife, Barbara Fritchie. Never mind that. Shaking it out the window. Yes, yes, yes. My wife is also an expert at facial massage. Mm. Every morning she, she massages her face with the juice of a lemon. I wondered what gave her that sour push. Costello. Now, now. I resent that, Costello. People have told me that my wife resembles Veronica Lee. Yeah, she wears her nose over one eye. She does. Yeah, yeah, Costello. Uh, I'm going to sell your wife good tonight. Well, I'll talk to you after the program. Mm -hmm. Costello, I can tell you that you know absolutely nothing about running a beauty shop. Look, suppose a woman came in here right now and asked for a shampoo. Sham what? Uh, uh, poo, poo. Poo-poo to you, too. Look, 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 look. Uh, How would you give uh, a hen a rinse? How would I what? How would you give a hen a rinse? I'd take the hen and give her a pail of water. No, 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 you idiot. I, I didn't say hen. I said henna. Henna is uh, a shade of a hair. Uh, what kind of shade does your girl have? I don't know. She never pulls it down. I... No, no, no. Henna is a color. For example, your girlfriend has henna-colored hair. She's Titian. She's what? Your girlfriend is Titian. No, she ain't. She quit Titian when she was a baby. She's got all her teeth. Oh, teeth. Yeah, she, she cleans her teeth every night with toothpaste. There you go. Who writes this stuff? Never mind that stuff. Look, uh, 
<laughs> it's all that silly talk of yours. Costello, you'll never get a customer to come to this beauty shop. Oh, yes, I will. No, you won't. Yes, I'm sending out these wonderful pictures. Just look at them, Adam. It's a picture of Monty Willie in a nightshirt. Oh, you dope. <laughs> Those are calendars for the new year. That old man is Father Time. Oh, is that Father Time? Sure. You see, he's got a long white beard, and that thing he's holding is a sickle. Do you know what a sickle is for? Sure, to cut his beard. Uh, no, 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 no. Pay no, well, pay no attention to me. Whenever you see Father Time, you'll find the old man's sickle. Oh, the old man's sickle? Certainly. What does he call a doctor? Look, Costello, Well, I shouldn't let the old man run around sickle, Adam. No, 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 He's no, liable no. to catch the hoople cockle. No, 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 I don't mean that way. Well, put the ballot in the spit the cockle. No, 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 no. What are you talking about? He'll wind up in the hospital. No, 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 Costello. The sickle I'm talking about. Well, man, Will you listen to me, please? Look, look, Costello, the sickle I'm talking about. But you don't know what I'm talking about. That's a bird germicle. But, Lou, please, the sickle I'm talking about is a scythe. See? The old man is holding his scythe. Well, if he's holding his scythe, then, then the, that must be the scythe he's sickle on. No, no. What are you talking about, please? Well, you said if he was sickle, he was holding his scythe. If he's, if he's sickle on his right scythe, that could be very dangerous. He might have a pen to sickle. Oh, look, please, Costello. Father Time and the sickle represent the old year. And this little baby picture alongside of him on the calendar is the new year. Oh, he's a cute little baby, Abbott. But he certainly wears expensive clothes. Expensive clothes? Look at the price tag on his diaper. 
put ladies' hair in buns. Yes, I do. What do you do with all the crumbs? <laughs> hey, that's a very funny joke. I think I'll pull it on Abbott. Hey, Abbott, do you throw up ladies' hair in buns? No, I always put it right in their hair. Now, what am I going to do with the crumbs? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're stuck, aren't you? No, I can always give the crumbs to the rat. <laughs> Look, why don't you cut out these stale jokes and get busy and clean up this place? Throw those dirty towels in that hamper over there. Okay. Costello. Costello, what happened? What kind of towels were those? Cannon towels. <laughs> hey, I think that one over with a bang, didn't it? <laughs> oh, let me out of here. Oh, let me out of here. I've got to get out of here. Please let me out of here so I can play with those other little rabbits. Hey, who are you? Oh, just a little ingrown hair. <laughs> <laughs> that guy looked as... Hey, Lou, that guy looked as dumb as a rabbit. And he does it good, too, doesn't he? He's dumber than a rabbit. A rabbit knows his arithmetic. Uh, yeah, surely. Uh, is this a beauty shop? Yeah, yes, it is. Well, save me a beauty for 8 o'clock, huh? <laughs> hey, you know, I passed your house last night and I saw the Christmas tree lit up on the porch. Oh, the tree is in the living room. That was me. <laughs> Costello, what kind of a place is this? You haven't had a customer today. Oh, hey, Abbott, look who's coming across the street. It's the actress, Bessie Mae Mucho. <laughs> Hello, boys. I just dropped in to congratulate you on the opening of your new shop. I think it's just too, too enchanting. Yes, yes, it's Devine. <laughs> I'd like to make an appointment for Saturday afternoon. So, Saturday afternoon? Ah, yes, Abbott, you know what Saturday is. That's the day after Friday. <laughs> and the day before Sunday. Yes, I'm going to see the big football classic, New Year's Day, out at Pasadena. Oh, yes, Pasadena, lovely place. That's the home of the Rose Bowl. <laughs> I could have said something now. I can hardly wait to see all Obama play. Are you betting on all Obama? No, I'm putting all my money on the Trujans. <laughs> oh, Mr. Costello, you are the cutest man. You make me feel so romantic. Oh, yeah. I feel like squeezing your hand. Why don't you put your arms around me and give me a big hoo? <laughs> Maybe you would like to kiss my loops. Hey, hey, hey. Oh, Costello, here's your girlfriend lean against it. Ah, ha, ha. Well, Costello, I finally caught you with your arms around another girl. You poor man's Tommy Manville. <laughs> Miss Mucho likes me. She thinks I'm all the movie stars rolling into one. That one in the back must be Andy Devine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Lena, don't say that. I want you two girls to be friends. Miss Mucho, say hello to Lena. Lena, say hello to Miss Mucho. How quiet the hellos are tonight. <laughs> Joe, I've seen you in lots of pictures. Didn't you play the title role in Lassie Come Home? <laughs> How charming you are. I seem to recognize you. Uh, uh, where are you wrestling tonight? <laughs> Have you cats had your milk today? <laughs> Look, Miss Mucho, keep away from Costello. His arms belong to me. But his lips belong to me. His brain belongs to me. Wait a minute. I'm getting the short end of this. 
long, Mr. Costello. I'll see you tomorrow. A hasta mañana to you. A veal scalapino to you. <laughs> hey, you know my French is improving? <laughs> well, Costello, this is the end of everything between us. Now, wait a minute, Lena. That wasn't Costello's fault. Please, honest. No, Lena. I can't help it if I have a winning personality. I can turn my charm on and off like a faucet. You must have a loose washer. <laughs> All I can hear is a little a drip. Oh, don't pay any attention to him, Lena. Look, he isn't very, uh, <clears throat> uh, B-R-I-G-H-T. <laughs> yes, he does appear to be a little, uh, S-T-U-P-I-D. Yes. I heard that. <laughs> what do you think I am? A D-O-P-P? <laughs> I'm through with you, Costello. I'm going back to Brooklyn and marry my old sweetheart, Mr. Schultz, the grocery man. Ah, oh, but Lena, Mr. Schultz is 70 years old and you're only 25. Didn't you ever hear of a May and December romance? Yeah, but he's going over into the middle of January. <laughs> There's no use arguing, Costello. This is goodbye. Oh, no, Lena. Don't. Well, if that's the way you want it, will you write to me from Brooklyn? You will write to me, won't you? Why should I write to you from Brooklyn? I'd just like to know how the tree is doing. <laughs> just as I thought, you always were a silly little twerp and you'll never be anything else. Goodbye and good riddance. Well, Costello, your girlfriend walked out on you. Yes, and I thought I was going to be such a big success in the coming year. I guess it's no use, Abbott. I might as well close up this beauty shop. I'm no good. I'm a failure. Well, you certainly are. Well, you don't know how to treat people. You, you don't know how to be nice to people, that's all. You're right, Abbott. And I'm going to go away. I'm going to go someplace and join an organization that will teach me to have good friends and do nice things. I'll join the campfire girls. No, no, Costello. Yes, the... I will. Now, wait a minute, you can. I'm going to join the you campfire girls. You listen to me, girls. please. Please. You mean the Boy Scouts. The campfire girls are all women. You join what you like, and I'll join what I like. Camel's lovely Connie Haynes repeats one of the season's most popular songs, Love Letters. The sky may be starless, the night may be moonless, but deep in my heart there's a glow. For deep in my heart I
Costello, step on the gas. Hey, wait a minute, Abbott. Where are we going? Well, I'm not going to let you give up your beauty business. I'm going to show you how to sell beauty treatments from house to house. Now, now this looks like a good neighborhood. Stop the car. Okay, I'll stop it here at the corner of 2nd Street. Ninth Street is close enough. Now, here's a nice-looking house, Costello. Knock on the door and tell the woman you'd like to give her a beauty treatment. Uh, but suppose she slams the door in my face. Oh, nonsense. The modern woman never slams the door in a salesman's face. Oh, that's different. Well, I'd like to sell you a nice... <laughs> Boy, is she old-fashioned. <laughs> well, what are you knocking again for? I just want to get my nose out of the door! <laughs> Uh, whose line is it now? That's yours. <laughs> well, we didn't... We, it's all right. I got it. Thank you. We didn't do any good there. Go ahead. Hello. Well, hey, Abbott. Yeah, we didn't do any okay. good there. I got it. <laughs> we didn't do any good there, did no, we? No, no, no. Come on. I didn't do any good here, either. Come on, Costello. Let's stop at this next house and see our old Scotch friend, Mr. Brown. Hey. <laughs> Was I lost? Yeah. Hey, there's Scotty Brown at the window now. I'll... whistles, it wakes up my canary, he reaches down and eats another bird seed. <laughs> uh, Scotty, Costello. Costello is going from house to house selling beauty treatments. Hey, Scotty, how about let me curl your white hair for 50 cents? No, thanks, laddie. I do that myself. I was just about to curl her hair when you come to the door. You can watch me if you like. Are you ready to have me curl your hair, dearie? All right, Scotty. All right, here we go. Chapter 27. As the poor girl descended the steps that led to the dank and musty old cellar, a long, hairy arm reached out and grabbed her by the throat. <laughs> that did it. That makes her hair curl every time. Good day. Well, how do you like that guy? Scaring his wife to make her hair curl up. Oh, that's nothing. He makes his kids cry to water the flower beds. Hey, <laughs> wait a minute. Hey, look who's coming down the street. It's our old friend, Officer Melonhead, the policeman. Hello, boys. Hey, I can't stop to talk to you now, Melonhead. I'm going from house to house selling beauty treatment. Oh, you won't stop at my house, huh? You wouldn't fix my wife's hair. You wanted to take her hair off and send it over to your shop. Go ahead, tell everybody my wife wears a wig. Your wife wears a wig? Your wife wears a wig? Go on, start a rumor. <laughs> look, Melonhead, your wife has lovely black hair. It's as black as coal. Coal, huh? Go on, say it. Say that you saw her shovel it into her snood. I know what you're thinking. Why don't you say it, Costello? My wife is ugly. She's got lips as rough as shoe leather. Melonhead, that isn't true. Your wife's lips are as nice and sweet and smooth. Oh, you found that out. <laughs> so you're the guy my mother-in-law saw running out the door the other night. Oh, now he's dragging my mother-in-law into this. I didn't even mention 
your mother-in-law. Sure, my mother-in-law, that's worth talking about, huh? Why don't you say it? My mother-in-law's uglier than my wife. Look, I didn't say that, Melonhead. I think your mother-in-law's beautiful. Get a load of this dope. My mother-in-law has a mustache and a three-inch wart on her nose. He calls her beautiful. <laughs> Look, Melonhead, I don't want to argue with you. I'm just trying to be a success in 1946. I just want you to have a nice Happy New Year. Oh, you want me to have a Happy New Year, but you wouldn't wish me a real Happy New Year. Okay, I wish you a Happy New Year. Just one, huh? I should have one Happy New Year, and the rest of my life I should be miserable. Okay, have two Happy New Years, three, four, have ten Happy New Years. Oh, you're just throwing them at me. You wouldn't say them with feeling, huh? Oh, he's right, Costello. Come on, let's wish him a rousing, good Happy New Year. Come on. Okay. Happy, Happy New, New Year, Melonhead. For he's a good fellow. He's a good fellow. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Whoopee. these two guys. Here it is, four days before New Year, and they're both plastered already. <laughs> Come on, Pastor. Let's try one more house. No, I'm disgusted, that, but I feel like giving the whole thing oh, up. Oh, don't be silly. I'm sure we can sell a treatment of this house. Right here, right next door. This is where Mrs. Niles lives. Go ahead, ring the doorbell. Okay. Why, hello, Mrs. Niles. Oh, hello, Mr. Abbott. I see you're out walking your big, fat bulldog. Oh, <laughs> oh pardon me, it's you, Costello. Uh, yes, uh, look, uh, look, uh, Mrs. Niles. <laughs> Costello is starting a new business, uh, giving beauty treatments. Yes, Mrs. Niles. You look like you need a little work done on your face. Oh, I do, eh? What's wrong with my face? Oh, nothing. I was just wondering how the horse looks without it. Uh, quiet, Costello. Uh, it wouldn't take much work, Mrs. Niles, to bring out your real beauty. Oh, do you really think so? Oh, quite right. Well, it was just a few years ago I had all the young men chasing after me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I wonder how... I wonder how I could get them to chase after me again. Why don't you try carrying a ball in the Rose Bowl game? <laughs> Now, Mrs. Niles, if you'll just sit down here in this chair, we'll start off with a nice egg shampoo. Yes. Come here, Betty. Bill, <laughs> what are you doing with that chicken? Oh, we use only fresh eggs. Now, just sit back while I put Betty on your head. Go ahead, Betty. Do your stuff. <laughs> oh, a double yolk. <laughs> Fool. You get out of here. But I can't leave the house now, Mrs. Niles. I just noticed that your skin needs lifting. What do you mean? Do you think my skin is too loose? Oh, no. It's just the opposite. Your skin is a little too tight. Here, I'll lift your skin and show you. <laughs> my word, my skin is tight. Tight? Every time you bend your knees, your mouth flies open. <laughs> Come on, Costello, get busy. I've got the mud pack already. Yes, Mrs. Niles, this mud pack is my grandmother's special. It's her special formula. It paves the way to beauty. Help me put it on, Abbott. Here, I'll take one side of her face and you take the other. Okay, we make her nose the uh, dividing line. No, let's divide it in the middle. Okay. <laughs> well, there's mud in your eye. Getting to harden on my face already. Look, I, I, I can't move my jaws. Yeah, this stuff has got a lot of good qualities. Oh, it's beginning to draw my face up. Get it off, you hear? Get it off. Well, wait, there's a couple of ways to get it off. Well, just tell me one way. You'll have to take your pick. Oh. <laughs> oh, you idiot. This stuff is as hard as a rock. 
way to beauty. Yes, it was my grand, my grandmother's special formula. Well, Castelli, you shouldn't have used it. It's all your fault. No, it isn't my fault. Then it's your grandmother's fault. No, it isn't my fault, and it isn't my grandmother's fault. Then whose fault is it? It's Sass's fault. <laughs> We'll be back for Camel Cigarettes in just a moment. And now, this week's salute in the new series of salutes to the men who won the victory. Tonight, we salute the 34th Red Bull Division, heroes of Tunisia, Casino, Leghorn, and Bologna. In your honor, men of the Red Bull Division, the makers of camels are sending to other servicemen still overseas 500,000 Camel Cigarettes. Radio shows thus honors the different units of the Army, Navy, Marines, and Coast Guard. A total of a million camels sent free each week. Camel broadcasts go out to the United States twice a week, are rebroadcast to practically every area in the world where our men are stationed, and to our good neighbors in Central and South America. And now, here are Bud Abbott and Lou Costello with the final words. Well, folks, that winds up our our programs for the year 1945. Yes, friends, but we'll be back on the air next Thursday night. We'll bring you another whole year of Abbott and Costello. No, no, not that! I want to get a guy stand as a Wait a minute, wait a minute! Hey, wait a minute, fella. You've been pulling riddles on me every week. Now, tonight, I've got one for you. Go ahead, fat stuff. All right, what's the difference between a baby fawn, a diamond ring, and a jackass? I don't know. Well, a baby fawn is a little deer. A diamond ring is two deer. Yeah, what about the jackass? That's you, dear. Good night, folks. Happy New Year to everybody. And don't forget, folks, buy victory bonds at your favorite neighborhood theater. Be sure to tune in next week for another great Abbott Costello show brought to you by Camel Cigarettes. And remember, try camels in your tea zone. See if they don't suit your taste, your throat to a tea. Michael Roy in Hollywood wishing you all a pleasant good night for Camel. Stay tuned now for the Eddie Cantor Show. This is NBC, the National Broadcasting Company. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Candy Matson, followed by Archie Andrews. Thanks to Paul Stringer and Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.